Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. She asks if she can put her balls in his mouth, and then she puts something the size of a softball it's in his huge. Hand. I've never <laughs> seen a These are the biggest meatball meatballs I've size. ever seen in my life. Massive. I can't imagine how you consistently cook a meatball of that size i guess it's like a meatloaf at that point (laughs) (laughs) welcome to here to make friends a huff post podcast about the bachelor franchise where we lovingly snark on the bachelor and bachelor adjacent shows whether you love the bachelor or love to hate it we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you i'm emma gray and i'm claire fallon Look, Claire, before we begin, I would just like us to do something a little bit different. I'd appreciate it if everyone could bow their heads, let us pray for a Bachelor season that is entertaining, not racist, and full of well-defined abs. Yes, yes. Let our lead, Matt James, be clothed in earth tone turtlenecks. Let his roses be given in wisdom. Amen. And, of course, a women. Thank you, guys. With that, you know, very important prayer out of the way, let's get to some heavy drinking and some light making out. The 25th season of The Bachelor kicked off last night, and things are already getting to be, as Taisha would put it, a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. So here to dig into the premiere is friend of the pod and co-host of the relationship podcast, Dear Shandy, Charlene Joint. Thanks for having me, ladies. We're loving Dear Shandy. Uh, If you guys haven't checked it out, uh, they talk to Bachelor Nation couples that you want to hear from. I think they recently had Rachel and Brian on. Is that right? Yes, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so check it out. And of course, it's time for us to (laughs) dive into night one of Matt James and his quest for love. And we don't have a moment to lose because there were 31 women. So many women, so many sparkles, and so many references to Matt James. Matt James is one of those people that cannot be referenced by first name alone. Like, you must (laughs) say the whole thing. He's not Matt. He's Matt James. It's true. One syllable isn't enough for all of his abs, you know? Exactly. (laughs) All 24 of them. (laughs) It's too much man for for one syllable. Um, So we start with a sort of cold open. Um, plucked from later in the episode. Katie is exiting the limo in a silver sequin gown, holding something behind her back. She comes up to Matt and says, this got me through the pandemic, but I'm hoping to pass the torch to you. It is a purple vibrator. 
<laughs> um, I have and- to admit, I laughed at this. <laughs> so did I. I did too. <laughs> I mean, what's bad about a vibrator getting you through the pandemic? I honestly, I really respect her openness about that. Exactly. I mean, look, a girl's got to do what a girl's got. Not even what a girl's <laughs> got to do, what a girl wants to do, you know? Like, treat yourself to a little pleasure. <laughs> My favorite thing about the Katie vibrator thing was that that there's actually a lot of truth in what she was saying about how she had planned and how a lot of people would be kicking themselves later because that is a sort of famed bachelor contestant thing. You know, if you don't, you know, you're, you're going on all these dates, you're making it all the time, you get kind of like worked up and then you're sharing a room with three to six other girls. You know what I mean? You just need to to plan things. And I don't even know if she knew how accurate she was. No one oh, ever man. talks about the Bachelor Blue Balls problem ever. <laughs> no, they yeah, don't. I mean, that's that. You could be there for, you know, several months without getting any and without being able to give it to yourself. That's Oh, and look. and going on these dates where you have like so you get so worked up and then like you're you're like practically at a point of like dry humping and then the producer's is like, oh, OK, let's talk to you separately now. <laughs> That's part of their plan to drive you all insane. So I do think it you. is a factor, honestly. I'm not even oh, kidding. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, I don't know if this is the case. It seemed like during The Bachelorette, they all got their own rooms. Like there was no sign of room sharing. I don't know if that's... I know a couple of them did. Yeah. A couple of them did share. Yeah. Early yeah. in the season, I believe... DeMar- no, Easy said about, I can't believe I remember this. This is what happens when you make gifts all the time. I believe Easy said about Bennett, that's my roomie, y'all. Oh, <laughs> so right. I was like, yeah. they're roommates. So yes. I think, but I think that like, I mean, compared to like the ma- the mansion where space is very limited, it seemed like they were able to spread out a little more. So like, maybe they're going to have a little more room to engage in <laughs> self-pleasure I'm, I'm hoping for the hope. best for all of them. Yeah, I yeah. want that for them. Just you put know, a scrunchie really on do. the door and, you know, your roommate can hang out in the common room. Um, anyway, back to the beginning. <laughs> Here's Chris coming down the red carpet in front of a huge sort of chateau manor house. Uh, they're at Nemecolon, a luxury resort in Pennsylvania, and... Um, it's fall. So we're looking at like a cold weather bachelor season, uh, which I think it's hilarious that they stuck Clarentasia in the desert in the middle of summer. And now they're doing a Pennsylvania resort for the winter. Um, (laughs) But this is the season I would prefer to be present for. Um, And Chris is like, Matt James, he hasn't been on any TV shows. But when we met him, we knew we had to be bachelor. And we got tons of applications to date him. So let's get to know Matt. Um, what are your takeaways, guys, from Matt's intro package? I It was interesting because I realized I hadn't seen an intro package in a while since Taisha sort of was thrown in. <laughs> appeared. And she get, yeah, she just appeared. Also, this is someone we actually do not know outside of Tyler Cameron's, you know, Instagram videos and uh, Hannah Brown's TikToks. That's my the totality, really, of my knowledge of Matt James. Same. Outside of the fact that he like <laughs> lives in New York City, which I didn't even know he was tall. 
He's know, very he's so tall. tall. Very tall. But I didn't I even know that. I think because he hangs so out with Tyler Cameron, who is also very tall. And it's all about, you know, you don't get to see the contrast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learn a few things about Matt. Uh, namely, that he's a commercial real estate broker in New York City, which I did not know. And that he runs a nonprofit, which I did know, ABC Food Tours. Interesting, they didn't name drop it. They said he works with kids in the inner city, trying to expose them to, quote, different experiences. Um, And it seems like they focus on food and health and fitness My understanding from the package and from other coverage is that they take them to restaurants, which like a lot of people, like if you don't grow up in a more middle to upper class background, maybe you're not going to fancy restaurants ever. And also, I guess, to exercise in gyms, which I would be like, okay, like if you're going to buy me a really fancy sandwich after this, then I'll go to the gym. Um, (laughs) It's, yeah, we know a little bit about that. That's something he does uh, with Tyler, I think, or or has I was pretty impressed by this, just because it felt like it wasn't part of his bachelor package. You know, this is something he's been doing for a very long time, long before Tyler Cameron went on the bachelorette. And it was extremely moving, and I kind of wish they had focused on it more than they had. And like you said, um, maybe name dropped it or something, just sort of given it even more. But I, I don't know. He feels like a genuinely charitable, good guy based on this intro. I, and it's not like I wasn't expecting that. I guess, but he outdid my expectations. I also think everything that like I know a few people who have had interactions with him or have or have mutual friends with him and like everything that we've heard through the grapevine is like he's just comes off as a genuinely nice person in real life so that's and I good. think that I I hope <laughs> I think probably this will come up more during the season because as we saw in the bios many of the women are also into charitable work and I imagine it will be a point of relation during a lot of the dates that they can talk about uh, or maybe even work it into a date in some way, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, we don't learn this, but it's true. Matt James used to work at Mike.com. He is a yes. digital media alum. and He used to work with most... our, our current boss. Yeah, Are you serious? Our current, yeah, our, he worked... Uh, at Mike with our current our current boss and editor Aaron. in a different in in like ad sales yeah ad but, sales he was yeah. on the, not on the the editorial side but apparently he uh, had the same kind and nervous energy that he displays on <laughs> the, the Bachelor uh, in real life so oh that makes me like him even more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes yeah it's it's it feels more like he's had a. a a real journey through the world to me than like these people who are like, what's my job? I don't know. Ever since college, I've been traveling maybe <laughs> and being a former athlete. I don't know. Um, so we get into his background a little bit. He talks about his family. He grew up with his mom and his brother, John. Um, his mom was very uh, Christian and raised them that way. Uh, his dad, it seems like, wasn't really present. His parents split up when he was very young. And uh, his mom is white. His dad is black. And that comes up a lot in his sort of discussion of how he's going to be approaching the season. Um, and 
He sits down with his mom at his sort of Nima Colon bachelor cabin. It looks um, very nice. It looks very nice. It's not even fair how much nicer the whole setup is than the bachelorette suits. I know. Tasha and Claire really did the most with the least, you know? Yes, truly. <laughs> also, just like compared to the mansion, like, can you imagine going back to that? I don't know. Like, it, the set, it's just so much more glamorous to have this huge sparkling chateau that like it looks like you're in a, a European movie or something. It truly looks like the way the show was meant to look, honestly, with how yeah, red yeah, they make exactly. it. I'm like, there is a red carpet, finally. <laughs> Not just a watered down driveway. The staircase was so grand. I was very into the whole thing. Uh, I love that they had him sit down with his mom. It felt like they were acutely aware that viewers don't know this guy. We need to like give some of some of his background and and see his his relationships with his family kind of up front and his mom just seems to have like very much seen the show she's like look honey when's the last time you were vulnerable when's the last time you (laughs) opened up are you falling in love have you fallen in love have you begun to feel like you're starting to fall in love like she has the script down she also (laughs) has a very bold relationship with rouge yes she listen who among us has not made ourselves up in what we felt was like a sort of bright and charming way and then seen photos after the fact you know like it's just i've got to say i was pretty into her faux leather leggings so i thought she i oh, liked she the effort she good put style in, but i do agree the rouge was a little too far but yes she looked pretty fabulous i was like yes when i saw her come out i would be I really happy with that look if i were on a reality show um same for my son's journey to find love. <laughs> um, and most of his package, though, I have to say, is him exercising. Um, he's skipping rope. He's doing pull-ups. He's going spinning. He's like, I have hope in this process. Like, punch, 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 <laughs> kick, splits. It's so and- funny you say that, Claire, because that literally is flagged as a gift for me. Because he's talking about what he wants in a woman while he's, there's like a close-up of his abs while he's flexing. <laughs> <laughs> Those They're things like, we go really together. want you <laughs> to do. get to know this man. Um, abs. That's Love all you is need like to know. working out. You know, it's a muscle that you have to develop. Well, that's actually true. Let's invest. <laughs> I'm good at this. Okay, so uh, so just to set the scene a little bit, we are looking at sort of like a woodsy. This is like a Pennsylvania uh, resort. So. It's verdant, it's forested, it's rustic. He's leaning on wooden bridges. And then, of course, there's a huge glamorous, like, chateau uh, where the main events will take place. And the women have been, like, quarantining in their hotel suites. And we get to know them a little bit at this point. Uh, Any standouts to you guys from the initial, like, selection of women that we see? Definitely Abigail for me. I mean, obviously, she is the, I believe, first contestant that we've ever had on the show who uh, was born deaf. Uh, We really don't see that many discussions about disability at all on the show. So I think she, yeah, like she really caught my eye. Yeah. And it just amazed me because it made me realize how little I know. I just was incredible. I wanted to know more about 
the, the cochlear thing, implant yeah exactly yeah. i just wanted to know all the things and it made me want to go down like rabbit hole of googling and just sort of knowing everything and um so yes abigail definite standout a standout for me was alicia yes uh, yeah the pro ballerina i was kind of surprised she didn't make it in to me honest. too yeah, I yeah. wish that she'd gotten time with Matt because I'm curious whether, I don't know, the fact that they have, it seems like pretty compatible lives might have been sort of compelling for him. Like, you know, they live in New York. They're both like athletic. They love working with kids. You know, it just seems like the kind of person you might end up dating anyway. And they never got to talk and it just seems like a missed opportunity to me. Like I want Matt to end up with someone <laughs> where they'll actually have a chance at staying together. Sue me. Um, what but... about Maggie? Anyone else love Maggie? Oh, oh yeah. stunning. Pharmacist slash model, which is just like a truly inspiring combination. <laughs> <laughs> she was yes. so glamorous. Who was among beautiful. us could not be a pharmacist slash model if we just like <laughs> opened our minds to the possibility? She is so gorgeous, like, and and has a very different sort of look than the, the, you know, the Instagram, you know, influencer look that is so dominant on these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just got her doctorate in pharmacy last year. So ladies, it's never too late. She's 32. I'm just very <laughs> on board with her. You mean like basically yeah. dead, Emma. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, she's a rotting <laughs> piece of fruit who has just outrun her time of relevance. Uh, and I love to see the charity work being done to give her that last chance, yeah. you know. <laughs> a lot of 24 and unders on this season. Yes. Um, Sarah, broadcast journalist, is 24. Um, she also talks about how she's taken a step back from her career to care for her dad, who has ALS, which is, must be really difficult uh, at such a young age um, to be, to be dealing with that. Um, And uh, it seems like she and Matt hit it off. So we'll probably hear more about that. Um, Anna, the copywriter also works at a bar. I can't imagine having the energy, just like watching her, (laughs) talk about how much she loves caffeine was my exercise for the day when I saw Um, her energy I was like that's what 24 looks like (laughs) exactly when I was 24 all I did was nap I don't know what everyone else was like when I was 24 I had a lot of energy and now I'm like ah (laughs) ah to be young um we also meet Kristen uh who is a lawyer and also loves rooftop bars and Cardi B same sounds fun uh we already know about Kristen that she will follow you on the subway to let you know that a guy is creeping on you if she deems it necessary. And I really respect that. Um, someone tweeted about this before the show aired. Yeah, a comedian who I guess went to college with her tweeted that one time she was essentially her protector um, from a creepy married man. So oh, wow. I'm on board with Kristen. <laughs> Overall, very likable women. No crazy edits, really, except for the two obvious ones or the right. main obvious one. But in terms of these hometown packages, I was, I, it really feels like they're going for a different tone. This yeah, season. which is weird because then you see the season preview and it's like mess express. Like it's going to be, it looks like a lot of really gross stuff <laughs> happens. And I'm like, with these nice girls, like who could, <laughs> who could imagine? 
Um, so we see the women getting ready uh, and heading out. And meanwhile, Matt is donning a tux and getting in his limo. He drives up to Chris, who is waiting for him on the red carpeted stairs on a driveway that, to be honest, looked pretty dry to me, um, which detracted from the glamour of the evening. <laughs> but I understand, you know, they can't they Look, have to Claire, cut corners somewhere. Yeah, resources are limited here. Um, and Matt and Chris chat about what's to come. Uh Chris is like, the first limo's here. And Matt says, oh, uh, actually, first, I'd like to ask you some questions. And Chris is like, are you sure? Don't you want to meet the ladies? And Matt's like, no, I'd really like to talk to you first. This was very weird. "Uh, I was like, shouldn't Chris have been prepped for this? But here's the thing. Then they head in to a fireside chat setup that has been immaculately prepared for them to talk. Right. Like, clearly, Chris knew this was coming. But why did it seem like an ambush? It definitely felt like they were playing up his discomfort, his nerves, his sort of, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here thing. But it was just so unnecessary because what he was requesting was something that any lead would get. Right. right. Like they were they were turning it into something that Matt, like, like Matt really asked for this chat. Matt needed it. <laughs> Matt was nervous. And it's like, normally they have this chat. And also Matt's never even been on the show before. So like, they just wanted to frame it in this way for some reason. It's not subtle. <laughs> They're definitely <laughs> leaning into the like, he has no idea what he's doing here <laughs> vibes. Inspires confidence. Um, so they sit down. Chris is like, you seem nervous. And Matt's like, yeah, I'm intimidated. And Chris is like, look, there's a phenomenal chance that you're going to meet the woman of your dreams and be engaged. We're going to go through it all together. There are going to be times when you're going to want to choke me out, says Chris. And I was like, what do you mean, Chris? Like, what are you doing to these people (laughs) that would make them want to choke you out? I've never, like, experienced Chris as an antagonist to the lead in the way that he's describing here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I was know. Just I don't know. I, I, I thought I'm maybe not. you guys could offer some insight, but <laughs> let's just write that off as Chris being Chris. Um, Emma and I are like blinking. Like, yeah, I don't know. I was. I think I was more struck by the second, you know, half of oh, this yeah. conversation. Let's in get which, into that. In which they, you know, they clearly knew this is our first Black Bachelor. We need to address that explicitly. We need to have a conversation about what what that means to him. All commendable things. Unfortunately, I think Chris Harrison is perhaps the like last person who should be anchoring this conversation because he is not exactly, I'll say, hyper literate in conversations about race. And the whole thing felt sort of off. It was like Matt discussing the pressure he feels around representation and Chris just like, nodding and contributing nothing and yet like framed as the sage figure who's supposed to be reassuring him I the whole thing just felt off to me yeah I mean it's it's tricky because Chris has when diversity issues have come up on the show always been kind of the person to be like don't worry about that like we're doing the best we can and like I don't think we just want a black bachelor for the sake of diversity Um, So not maybe been a figure of progressive attitudes toward uh, diversifying the show. Um, But he is the person who has conversations, serious conversations with the lead. That's his role. Um, And, you know, 
personally, I also would be very uncomfortable, like being in that position. Um, I don't think he was uncomfortable. He didn't seem uncomfortable, but like it is, it is a big responsibility to, to handle that as an interlocutor sensitively. And I think that what Chris seems to kind of settle on is to be like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to carry. Um, it's a lot of pressure for you, but don't worry about that because we're here to find you love. And that's kind of the takeaway. It is consistent, though, with the franchise in general, which generally yes. puts the onus to talk about these things on the people they cast. Yes. Like 100%. Rachel Lindsay is the poster child for that. And, you know, they they stand by everything she stands for. But what they'll do is put her at the forefront and let her do the talking for them. And that's the feeling I got from this. Like, Emma, <clears throat> I think you're generous to call Chris Harrison an anchor in this conversation because it felt like he could have been replaced by anyone. And yeah, was- he was he was like, a I don't know, like a potted plant. in this <laughs> yeah. conversation. And all the more reason why it was absurd that they made it seem like Matt James requested this conversation when clearly he was told in, in, in some capacity to address it, just as yes. he was when he was first crowned and then he appeared, I think, on GMA or whatever. He mentioned it then. I do feel like it's part of his duty to to speak for the show and make them look good. And like you said, he, he could be accompanied by a potted plant and <laughs> it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like it, insofar as maybe Matt wanted to talk about this with Chris, I think it would just be an opportunity for him to convey the message to the audience that he is aware of expectations on him and that he does worry about them and he will be taking them into consideration. Not necessarily that he needed Chris's like insight per se. (laughs) He needed Chris's permission to find love with anyone. I just feel like Chris, Chris Harrison is always like one second away from being like, I don't see color. Love is love. (laughs) Like I just, I don't know. It, it, I mean, again, it's 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 sort of a, a structural problem with the show because you have all of these like white figureheads. And as you said, Charlene, the onus for any sort of conversation that falls outside of like white, hetero, Christian, you know, normative conceptions of like marriage Um if that falls on individual contestants to sort of bring up the way that their identities intersect. And and that just puts a lot on individuals. And also, you know, I it made me think about why the conversation between, say, you know, Tasha and Ivan felt so dynamic because it wasn't one person. Totally. You know, explaining to an othered audience something about them. It was an actual mm-hmm. dialogue that we got an insight into. And I think maybe that's why um, this coming on the heels of that season felt like so viscerally off to me. Um, yeah. I'm comforted that you guys were also found this a little off. Because it did feel, you know, when last time I was on the pod, we did talk about this, just how it's sort of, my biggest beef is when it it feels like because you're a person of color, therefore it's your responsibility to talk about your experience as a person of color and what it's like to be a person of color and just to talk about race in general when maybe you don't, that is not necessarily your responsibility. And I think that that's what bothered me <clears throat> is how it it feels like Matt is carrying this enormous burden where truly the two main times I've heard him speak, he has addressed it. And I wonder if he would have, if he would have felt the need to, or if it would even be in his character's his instinct to talk about it, especially given he's never been on this show, 
if if he didn't feel that expectation. And so I guess I hope that the show sort of just lets the sort of unfold organically because to me this felt very like, okay, we you know, I, I, I don't think that this should be his sole responsibility. It's just kind of, it right. made this conversation a little uncomfortable to me, I guess. It just felt like, and it's and he did nothing wrong. I thought he was great. I loved how he talked about like I don't want to piss off the black people. I don't want to piss off the white people. But in both of those things, uh, I loved that he said that. But nonetheless, like you said, it wasn't a dialogue. It was a monologue right. <laughs> to yeah. a right. potted plant. And again, this like speaks much less to like any you know. I don't think any of us have issues with the way Matt articulates his own experience. But again, it's like the structure that he's operating within is inherently flawed. And so it just makes having these conversations and making them feel, you know, meaningful and uh, organic and useful and not just like a no-win responsibility of the individual at the center. You know, that's sort of the problem I think that we're we're getting at with the show. And it look like the the fact even that Matt was the person they cast and the way that they've handled this, it just feels so much like, you know, The Bachelor is this institution that is so like has this very well known, like ingrained whiteness, very similar to the United States of America. But like <laughs> when you diverge from that at the very top, that it needs to be addressed in this very public way that like if if a black man was the lead on another dating show like i've never really seen that before and i have watched other dating shows where black men are the lead and dated women of all races and it's just this sense of like we know this is a a white thing and so we cast someone or elected someone in the case of barack obama who is from a, a mixed background and who can speak to everyone and heal the divide and like acknowledge the burden of history and it's just it's a lot. It's a lot to put on him. And I hope that they do sort of move toward letting him have his experience. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we're limos. like we're like 40 <laughs> minutes in. We need to start talking about the limo exits. Uh, there were there were a lot of uh, silk and satin dresses. That's what I noticed from these. I noticed these limo sequins. Entrances. A lot of sequins. Really, really good outfits. I, I, I'd say on the whole, some good outfits. Charlene has has critiques. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Bree's uh green silk a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really liked not. her speaking voice. I was oh, well, distracted I liked, by her speaking voice. Yeah, I liked nice, everything about Bree. Yeah. I I did like her. I, I thought her green dress was was nice. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but it was nice. Bold. Uh, Rachel uh is in sort of a greenish black satin. Um, mostly I just wrote down dresses because a lot of them got out of the limo and are like, I'm only here because it's you. I can't wait to get to know you. And like, I just can't You're amazing. You're the greatest of that. all time. You're so amazing. I'm only here because my life led me to this journey here with you. It really all just blended together. Let's just sort of go through and, and talk about any real standouts. Um, yeah. Did anyone anyone have a, an exciting limo exit in any way? There was Anna who brought a bachelor survival kit that was like a cute little gimmick, I guess. I feel like the first one that felt like really exciting was Kayla, who drives in on her own pickup truck. She is stunning. 
Matt oozes confidence. Very mm. so much confidence. I I aspire to have an ounce of it. It was very it was very inspiring to me. And Matt is here for it. She's like, I'm from North Carolina. You're from North Carolina. I'm driving a stick shift. Aren't you impressed? And Matt is like, yes. Yes, in fact, I, I am impressed. <laughs> um, Carolyn brought lavender for him as a good luck charm. This is the level of most of the gimmicks. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they're not really gimmicks. Um, but we do get a couple more kind of weird ones. Sane tells him that he's the greatest of all time. She hopes that he will also think she's the goat because she is wearing fake goat feet. <laughs> <laughs> what? This did not work out for her because she did end up going home. But I thought she was unbelievably gorgeous. She's gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. Also, incredibly, er, like later inside, she's like looking around and she's like, I've never felt so unattractive. And I'm like, okay, you're like tiny. You're beautifully groomed and made up. Like you're wearing a gorgeous dress. In this context, I guess, all you need is an ugly pair of shoes to feel like the mo- biggest piece of hideous trash that, like, ever existed. I was like, uh, I, I was like, like looks on it. Try being, try being average looking and then get back to me, okay? Like, some of us, this is what we feel like all the time. <laughs> uh, I don't remember much about my limo exit, but I do remember walking into that mansion for the first time and being surrounded by that many uh, women of that level of looks and I have never felt uglier in my life so I could relate a lot to this I thought oh okay. this is why some of us just try not to be around beautiful <laughs> people and like don't take it personally it's for our own psychological self-protection um Serena P like brings a step stool to get on his level because he's so tall um she's 5'2 I guess Alana brings pasta to do a lady and the tramp move I found that it was a little, it was a lot. It was a little, a little, a little of forward, a little forward. Say. That's the, that's the word I was looking for. Forced, it's just like, cause it wasn't even, we didn't even get the context of like, oh, my favorite movie is Lady and the Tramp or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's just, just like, like I now thought... put this piece of spaghetti in your mouth and I'm going to put I, the other end in my mouth. <laughs> I never find it to be like such an effective move to sort of force a first kiss. Like, I agree. I, there, this happens, you know, occasionally in the entrances. Someone will be like, I'm going to take the first kiss. And it's like, the point of the first kiss is that you want it to be, like, given willingly because <laughs> oh, someone wants yeah. to kiss you. It <laughs> My just favorite- felt weird my favorite part about this was how the he didn't really kiss her like you could see him cut the spaghetti in his mouth and then like emerged from his mouth and fell (laughs) it was so funny it was not a kiss he went out of his way to not make it a kiss I saw a kiss really oh I saw this piece of spaghetti like him like chew down and then the spaghetti kind of like (laughs) slide out of his mouth (laughs) I actually thought there was a break and then, like, almost a more intentional kiss. I'm going to need to rewatch this. Um, <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It was, uh, I mean, he didn't seem mad about it, but um, Alana was very pleased. She was like, I thought that was cute. I thought that was fun. I didn't want to stick my tongue down his throat because I like to leave a little to the imagination. Um, cue Kylie? Kaylee? Kylie, the lingerie. And lingerie. This is when the exits start getting a little more interesting. 
Yeah, Kylie, she just comes right up with a dress rack in full lingerie and is like, I couldn't decide what to wear, so I need you to pick for me. And he seems very flustered. He's like, great confidence. Love to see a woman with confidence. He does <laughs> confidence gamely. to not be able to pick her own dress. <laughs> but he, he does gamely help a girl out, uh, suggest the strapless dress. Which I didn't, didn't love, honestly. I thought it looked a little bit no. like circus. I'm sorry. You never ask Amanda to pick your dress. They don't know what looks good. Just kidding. It's like, I like red. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, he was like, you strapless. It shows women. a slightly larger amount of skin. I like that. I'm like, no, this is why you send mirror selfies to all of your girlfriends and they vote on what you should wear. That's how you crowdsource an outfit pick. <laughs> This was pretty um, ballsy, though. Yeah, I mean. it was. Yeah, the women are like kind of horrified and impressed in equal measure. Um, <laughs> someone's like, she's literally in a bra and underwear. And Alana's like, well, at least she has a robe on. And I was like, Alana, <laughs> the robe is kind of. It's not closed. ancillary. <laughs> it's, it's a flourish. Um, yeah, so I was not super thrilled personally at the the gesture being like oh i need amanda to pick my outfit but it got her on his radar so points for effectiveness it got her a full exit shown out of the limo which i don't think would have happened otherwise yeah true another notable entrance was piper who's like my dad always wanted me to keep my last name and my last name is james so this is very exciting. <laughs> I was like, look, you do love a dad who's like, girl, you don't need to change your identity. Yeah. And who knew that he was des- like forcing her basically to marry a man whose last <laughs> name was James. Like she doesn't have many options, right? Like how is she supposed to do this? <laughs> She's got to marry James. Uh, fortunately, um, it's not such an uncommon name, so she'll still have a few prospects if this doesn't work out. I loved um, MJ's exit, the pizza delivery. I, I thought this was too. super cute. And she, I guess, forgot to unlock the door. Yeah, she MJ's forget- fabulous. <laughs> that dress, her hair. Her hair. Uh, uh, I, you very rarely see, like, natural curls on the show. And we have, like, a few women this season who are rocking, like, what looks like natural natural curls and mm-hmm. MJ has just a profusion of blonde curls that reminds us very much of our friend Priscilla who used to work at HuffPost with us Aww. shout out Priscilla um, <laughs> we love <Mickey. laughs> yeah the piece of delivery was just sort of like something I I'm kind of amazed no one's thought of that before it was just so cute I love that she couldn't get the door open it was just she stood out to <laughs> yeah me it was charming it was memorable and like, yes in a everything way that right. felt yeah everything about it was just perfect and I thought she looked gorgeous I also loved her high neck black dress oh yeah I thought that that was pretty it's a good back um, on that dress yeah gorgeous um and then we finally get to Katie who obviously whose intro we had already seen at the very beginning and we get another play of of the vibrator and Matt James is just like completely cracking up at this he finds it hilarious which is good because it could have gone either way but it worked out for her she ends up naming the vibrator mj 
Which I guess is for Matt James. Yes. Uh, poor MJ is like, <laughs> excuse well, me. Well, that's me, but okay. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Like, what are the odds of that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's never, I don't think there's ever been an MJ before. Um, and later, Matt James kind of finds out, is told by Katie that the vibrator is named MJ. And I think that she is expecting him to be like, oh. And instead he's like, okay. <laughs> I don't think that he's Yeah, you're like, you, you, you needed to like stop the gimmick after the first joke. Like, don't yeah. beat the vibrator into the ground, you know? Yeah, don't keep a- coming up to him and being like, the vibrator is you, you see? <laughs> uh, Ileana, can I put my balls in your mouth? Oh, yes. This reminded me of that SNL skit. Yes. yes. That probably was her inspiration. Let's yeah, it, it surely was. <laughs> yes. She asks if she can put her balls in his mouth, and then she puts something the size of a softball it's in his huge. hand. huge. I've never These are seen the a biggest meatball meatballs I've size. ever seen in my life. Massive. I can't uh, imagine how you consistently cook a meatball of that size. I guess it's like a meatloaf at that point. <laughs> she has him bite it and then she says they're my meatballs <laughs> Matt finds this absolutely hysterical so good move by Ileana Cassandra comes out wearing a football jersey with Mrs. James on the back um, okay. this does not work eh. out for her I, oh did she go home she did yeah she right? yeah. yeah. I just feel like we've seen that before it's it's yes. a gimmick that's pretty popular on the show um, because there are a lot of former athletes and a lot of women who are happy to take their names. But like I personally hate it, so Same. there's there's my bias disclosed. Um, In her defense, I'm sure a producer was like, "Have you know? Do you know what you want to do when you come out of the limo? Do you have any ideas?" And then, then they probably brainstormed, and I think that's why a lot of these ideas end up getting recycled. Oh, absolutely, yeah. especially with these younger women who. Uh, definitely maybe didn't see someone wear a jersey five years ago on this show possibly and also like you have to be low down on the producer list of priorities to get the gimmick where you're wearing full (laughs) football pads like i just don't think that that that's the look i would want to go for you you don't think they have their money on her (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) um next we have uh kit uh is our next big entrance she drives up in a Bentley. She's, she's beautiful. Wearing... Oh, she's... she's very beautiful. She's, she's a 21-year-old also... socialite daughter of Cynthia Rowley, the designer. What? I didn't yes. know that. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. And she's, she's like she said, you know, I was born and raised in the West Village. Like, she's... Yeah, you have to be pretty yeah. wealthy to be born and, and raised in the West, West Village. Village. Yeah. As a 21-year-old. I mean, she just... That's all whatever. Like, she can be whoever's daughter, but, like, she clearly conveys a sense of, like, privilege and, like, great pride in it. Like, she's like, oh, limos are, like, ride shares. Gross. Like, I thought, like, I'd better call my own ride and, like, she's I very love being the center of attention. Like, okay. Yeah. Did you not get Corinne vibes in that? Like, I felt like it was yeah. Sort of- a little bit. Yeah. Well, it was sort of like an exaggerated caricature, sort of leaning into that vibe. Um, not as extreme as Corinne, but there was yeah. something that I was like, ugh, ugh. I think it was the rideshare comment that did it for me. Yeah. Um, 
It's I like, did oh, I'm like sorry, that you're too she... good to be in a car with other people. I mean, yeah, again, I... obviously this was like brainstormed and she's like, this is my line. But it was just like it felt very 21 year old. Um, I did think I did like that her like her fashion I had mixed feelings about, but I did like that it was just like different. Oh, from... yeah. I, I thought it was so bold. And yeah, I thought she was just... fabulous. Yeah, I always like when when someone tries something a little bit different outside of like the the slinky silhouette that we kind of see over and over again. So that that did it for me. Um, I think there was just something about her overall, like her entrance and then the way that she acted later that was sort of like she's used to commanding ultimate male attention by being like blonde and wealthy and young. And she's like baffled that she's not like running away with this. And that's, I find, a very unbecoming sort of attitude. I'm very interested to see what happens with her. Like, I, it's going to swing in one direction or the other. I yeah. agree. I think I think the jury, the jury is still out. Like, I can't yeah. decide how I feel about her yet. And then, of course, we get what who I believe is the kind of early obvious villain of the season, Victoria, who is carried in on a throne by four men all in masks which she's on like really, a palanquin or something she's it like, like really highlights the uh <laughs> the inequalities of this pandemic i was like these like faceless masked up like servants carrying her in um and she's like i am the queen and she puts a crown on his head and says like you can be my king <laughs> I mean, they're not even hiding the f- like why she was cast. Like, it's the most obvious oh, yeah. Pl- like, yeah. villain plant I think we've ever seen. Like, if she doesn't keep this up, she's not staying. Like, she's, oh, she there's has a no role connection between her and yeah. Matt. He's obviously not into her. She's 100% there to just like be low key obnoxious. She doesn't even have a connection it. with any of the other women. It's no. like, it's truly like she's just been sort of inserted in there. To yeah, rub very... people like Kit the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she does. I mean, there's something like about Victoria that like often you don't see with the villain, which is like, I feel like she's one of the more normal looking women in the house. And it's paired with this like outsized confidence and ego that makes her like difference from like if if she were one of the more normal looking women and she seemed really sweet and great you'd be like oh cool like great and instead you're like who's this woman why is she here like she doesn't have like a really strong influencer look like she she doesn't like where is this all this coming from like where is she from um I don't think I'm articulating this very well but like no I know exactly what you mean and I think that's true there's something I don't know. Whatever it was, it it felt notable. Yeah, I'm not articulating myself yeah. well either. Like, it's been... I think probably Charlene had the best articulation of it, and I need to stop trying. <laughs> um, she feels like an insert, and she she has this this nutty confidence that she and Matt are like destined to be, and she does also i think she's learned at some point that there was a queen victoria and maybe that's where all this trouble started (laughs) and at some point i'm not sure how much she actually knows about queen victoria but she knows of her existence and she 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 just really 
she identifies with that, with the queenness of it all. And she she makes a real entrance. She says, like, the queen has arrived, bitches, which is, you so know, original. is sure, sure to endear you to a group of women <laughs> who have been, like, sitting around waiting for this shit to start for probably, like, hours up to five hours. Yes. And now they're looking <laughs> back probably wishing they had appreciated the time before Victoria Pre-Victoria. <laughs> and finally, finally, it is time for Matt to speak to some of them. Finally. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have a whole lot more from Matt James' premiere. If you want to bring coziness into your life, Uh, And I mean, who doesn't (laughs) turn to barefoot dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary with those 30 years of coziness. Barefoot dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why barefoot dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. 
Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out. You won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space. And even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer Talon has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan, and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quinn's cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quinn's only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com 
slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now back to the show. I do really want to get into how Matt opens his time with the women. You know, obviously we made a little joke about it at the top. Like he comes in and he immediately says that he wants to pray for everyone. And he leads them in a pretty intense group prayer where he specifically says like, dear heavenly father. And I'm curious how you guys felt about it because I think I... I had a very mixed and also sort of like viscerally negative reaction to it. And then I wanted to unpack why that was. And, you know, obviously I want to say up front before this conversation, like I am in full support of everyone's right to express their connection to their religion, to their faith in whatever way feels right. And I think it's like perfectly lovely uh, it, that Matt did that and then some of these women like really connected to that um, and that might be like a good indication uh, of who might be a good match for him but I think as a viewer and especially as a viewer who is not Christian it felt like this assumption that everyone who was cast on the show and then perhaps everyone who is in the audience of this show would connect to that or would have experience with that faith tradition. And it made me feel kind of weird. <laughs> I I mean, I, I do relate to what you're saying in that I felt a sudden, I, for me, I felt like suddenly I was, instead of being there, I was like, oh, okay. Like I yes. felt removed from it as well. Um, I do think it's good in the sense where like, like you said, the people this will resonate with, then they can forge their connection even stronger. And it's a good way of sort of naturally weeding out, I suppose, people with whom he is not compatible on that level, uh, which can prevent a sort of Tasha Ivan mm-hmm. situation. Uh, but I, in general, I loathe it when there's an assumption that w- you, what you're doing, if it's you know, if, if it is a prayer is going to resonate with everyone, especially dear Heavenly Father, you know, there's who knows, maybe this was a requirement. Maybe he said, I, I really want to date this kind of woman. And then they only cast that type of woman. So uh, I agree, though, I found this very jarring. It was the only thing in the entire episode that I was like, that didn't resonate with me from him. Yeah. But it also set the tone of just how you know, when he's when it said in a voiceover, you know, I come from a Christian, I was raised in a Christian household. I was like, okay, like every other lead on this show, you know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> but then when he opens with a prayer, I was like, oh, okay. So that changes the tone. Because, you know, even Hannah Brown went privately and prayed for herself. You know, she had this silent moment off on her own before going and greeting the guys. So there was an assertiveness in this that I... um I agree, Emma. I found it yeah. off-putting. Yeah, I completely agree. I found it pretty alienating personally. And I think if I were about to date Matt or try to date him, I would maybe kind of appreciate knowing that that was what he wanted the vibe of his life to be really early. Like, I think the women who like that 
were really rocked by seeing mm-hmm. that that was what he was bringing to the table. Other women, maybe not. Um, but it, I do feel more negative about seeing it like Christianity being more and more like enshrined into the fabric of this franchise, which is yeah. so um, has so much cultural prominence. And like it just it perpetuates the impression that like Christianity is standard that like everyone is receptive to being prayed for or having prayer at the at their gatherings um Christian prayer you would never see it if the lead was Muslim for example like it's very Ever. hard to imagine that no you never not in all. a million years yeah I think that's exactly it it's this like further entrenching of Christianity and a, and I, I'll say a specific brand of Christianity mm-hmm. um, as default, as fundamentally American, as the fundamental sort of, you know, just the, yeah, the norm, uh, the cultural norm. Um, and that felt uncomfy to me, especially as like a, a Jewish viewer who watches this show and likes to feel, you know, connected and and has been able to feel that to many leads who don't share, you know, my views about faith and and God and religion. Um, and this felt, yeah, it felt alienating. I think that's that's the word. And I, I don't believe that he meant it that way at no. all. And I, I do think it was with like a like a good heart and good intent there. And I, again, respect his, you know, desires to to integrate faith in whatever way he chooses into his life but it does have this like extra um extra meaning when it's on such a such a wide national platform um and on what is yeah and what is on indisputably the most diverse season we've ever seen i mean there's no denying that the cast itself is certainly more diverse than it has been in the past (laughs) yes and um and so it's sort of I, in my opinion, kind of doubles down on that. It's, you know, you're, you are showing a more diverse uh, cross-section of this country, but yet you are also, like you said, making it seem like Christianity is sort of default in this franchise. Yeah, it almost yeah. seems like it might be related that there is a way of being like, well, maybe he doesn't look like you, Bachelor viewer, like that we're imagining in our head, like our primary audience, but like he prays like you. And so he is of the same like culture and and that should put you more at ease. I do not think that's a coincidence. I agree. I think that has a lot to do with it. And it sort of was how I felt about with Hannah Brown, their ability to approach a woman having sex without shame. Like almost that was easier because it could be framed in this way of like, I do this and also Jesus loves me and I'm a woman of God, but I can have sex without shame. And it's like, we're sort of unable, this franchise has proven unable to like make progress in one aspect without sort of feeling this need to like reassuring what they consider in their collective imagination to be the central audience of the show. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about this before, but I feel like the way you described that, like Hannah Brown, was kind of like the 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 2019, 2020 sort of iteration of Britney Spears, like the sexy, godly woman that like the parameters of that have changed a little bit, but there is like more comfort with those qualities when they go together and the American like psyche, like the mainstream white Christian American psyche, at least. 
And, you know, a lot of the women really love his, yes. his, that he did this. Um, Rachel specifically is like moved to tears. She's weeping because she really related to what he said, which was basically just like that he needs to be vulnerable and not everyone is perfect, which just like blew my mind. Just the way <laughs> that people are just like desperate to latch on to the vaguest things and be like, this is about me specifically. Like I too. <laughs> struggle to be vulnerable. Um, I, too, am not perfect. Matt James and I. (laughs) Two peas in a pod. Um, And I think a lot of the women have this reaction um, to to a lesser extent, maybe, than Rachel. Um, And so as a dating strategy, I think it was quite effective the way he opened with this prayer and this confession of his imperfections and his need to be vulnerable. Um, did any conversations that he had stand out to you guys? I love Serena P. I thought the chessboard was cute. Oh, yes. that was so cute. I really liked that a lot. And I loved learning that Matt was in the chess club. That was like a, an adorable, quirky detail about him that we had not known before. Yeah. And I love how he did this like wrong move. And she was like, can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I knew that. I was in chess club. <laughs> Um, Um, he's, she's like, chess used to be romantic. And I was like, yes, Serena, I too remember Austin Powers too, which is (laughs) the only time I've ever seen chess be described as romantic, but made sense to me. I was just thinking about the queen's gambit because that's my, (laughs) my most recent. Yeah. On the forefront. (laughs) Cultural touchstone of chess. Imagine Um, this was all pre queen's gambit. Like they had no idea. I know who can, who can say they didn't even know how relevant this would be. Um, I, I liked the the nugget of conversation we got between him and Mari about the fact that her family is from Puerto Rico and she starts kind of talking about all of the you know various natural disasters that have occurred um, have hit Puerto Rico really hard and how you know scary it's been for her grandparents and of course this is interrupted by a vibrator. <laughs> I've got to say, though, I really before we move on to the to Katie with the vibrator, yeah. I really loved that Matt asked this. Me too. Yeah, I thought because that was I feel a really like a lot of people. Question. Yeah. And it showed a sort of awareness of what happens outside of your own bubble. And he didn't. You know, a lot of leads might be like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> right. But not saying. Uh, right. I think I think Adam, um, my boyfriend, we were sitting and, and watching and he was like, oh, so he reads the news. That's good. And I'm like, you're, you know, you're right. It's true. It's nice to just see like a basic awareness of like current events and the things happening yes. in the world and responding to something someone says, like with a reference that, you know, with the information that you actually have about yes. that place. Um, it was just like, oh, this is how a conversation should start. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I think he's a good question asker so far. We haven't seen many um, conversations to the degree that we would get to experience that, but he also asks, I thought, Abigail a really thoughtful question about um, her sister and, you know, having also experienced uh, deafness um, and, and how that affected their bond. And so, you know, he he... In a ways that sometimes The Bachelor does not 
necessarily do, like is able to retain pieces of information about the women he's met and recombine them into questions that are relevant to their actual lives. And I just, I think that prom- that's promising to me. Yes, very. it is. It's a good sign. <laughs> Um, So Katie does interrupt Mari with the vibrator on her shoulder. Not a great time as Mari is discussing how she worries about her grandparents in Puerto Rico. Um, Presumably Katie did not know that that was going on. Certainly not. Certainly not. Well, and if anything, she was given the green light to on where to go and when to interrupt. Right. Right. We always have to remember people are not just like wandering upon the lead by complete happenstance. Yeah. And if that were the case, then what woman would go through everything they go through to get this far to own, to go home on night one because they didn't even talk to him? Right. Yeah. If it were that, I mean, if all it took were going and finding him and tapping on someone's shoulder. There were a lot of women who didn't get to talk to him at all, at least from what we saw. Um, we do get some little cute little moments with Kayla, with Chelsea, who does a little catwalk for him. She's she's some model. Um, and then Kit pulls him aside and is like, look, we're both New Yorkers. Here's a New York snow globe. I'm going to just like make you feel at home and I was like oh what a cute move and Matt's like well I don't really call myself a New Yorker because I've just like lived there three years and you could just see her face (laughs) drop like I have been misled I have done the wrong thing (laughs) I feel like she was like bestowing it as a benediction because she knows he's not from New York I think um and she's like I'm a New Yorker you're a New Yorker and he's like no no don't put that on me. Um, but she's actually rescued in a way because Victoria interrupts with, sorry, princess, the queen is here. Kit cannot metabolize this kind of uh, treatment in any healthy way. She's taking this very, she's like, princess, I see how this is going to be. I'm like, Kit, no, don't get in a feud with Victoria. Like, You're like, not worth it. Doing? <laughs> yeah. She doesn't matter. Um, and Victoria sits with Matt and he tells her that meeting all of them is like drinking from a fire hose. And she's like, is that a Southern saying? Like, what does that mean? Oh, God. Um, and he's like, I don't know. It just like means like what it sounds like. It's really hard to drink from yeah, a fire Matt's hose. like, you know, if you're drinking from like a water fountain, you can drink easily. But if you're trying to drink from a fire hose, there's just a lot there's of water. water. And there's too much. It's like, I was like, oh, And she's oh, like, well, sweetie. I'm the best fire hose. I'll make a good drink for you. So what we're seeing with Madame Victoria is that, like, he's all, like, vulnerability. I want you to open up and get to know you. And she's, like, not serving any of that. Like, she's giving him, like, failed, cute, like, little flirtatious statements. Um, she also seems to, like, get pretty drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, seems we hadn't seen just, like, a sloppy, hot mess express night one person in a while and I was like I oh, feel like Victoria, she pre I was kind of into it <laughs> yeah you've gamely filled the role you're here I, I just think Victoria needed, I needed the comic relief I guess <laughs> yeah it was it was different from what we've seen recently just because she's so in on what she's doing that oh yeah it doesn't feel like it's at her expense girl did not come in that's that interesting sense? I don't know if I felt convinced that she was in on it oh I mean, she wouldn't have been cast if she wasn't like I feel it felt transactional. That's interesting. Yeah, because I guess I don't really know what inside the casting process is like. 
So I mean, I don't know for sure. I I can't speak to that, obviously. But to me, it she's fulfilling a a role, and no one is more aware of the role she's playing than she is. But I that's yeah. my perspective. If you felt it was authentic, then I mean, I never I could know. Be totally wrong. I never know. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, she's she's selling it hard though is she really is, is what I yes. do know um, she ends up wandering over to Kit who's still upset that she interrupted and Kit is talking to Amber the single mom who hasn't had any time with Matt yet and Victoria's like literally just go do it literally just go go like if I say literally one more time you have to do it literally <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I did it. I said the word. And finally, Amber's like, listen, if I want to go, like, I'll go over. But it really, I mean, it seems likely that Amber is, like you said, like, waiting for her okay from production. And she hasn't gotten it. And, like, there's just an endless stream of women being ushered over to talk to Matt. And she hasn't gotten her turn. And now this drunk lady who's already talked to Matt is, like, harassing her. Um, So doesn't go over well yeah this did bother me from victoria how it was you know how it was all just go do it just go do it although she in the end may have been actually kind of right because while you may ruffle more feathers at least you do get the time that you went there for that's what kills me is when someone goes home without having had time especially when they were surely promised time and that seemed to be a lot of these women like alicia like amber um, yes. Can we talk about Brie, who Matt has a very lovely conversation with? Yeah. Um, Brie is so beautiful. Like when the camera was on her face. Stunning. I'm obsessed with her already. Yeah, just <laughs> half Persian. Ooh, yeah. she's so she's so pretty. Stunning. Yeah. And yeah, she she has a nice conversation with Matt. She's like, look, I feel like it's really important to see diverse love stories. It's not something I really grew up seeing. She talks about how she grew up with a Persian mother who is white passing um, and she her dad is black and that her parents, similar to Matt's, um, were separated when she was, I guess, before she was born. So earlier than Matt's mom and dad, but still she primarily grew up with one parent um, and and that affected the way that she has thought about relationships. And Matt, that's something that Matt says in his intro package. So I'm sure that we'll probably get to see the two of them kind of digging into that family history and those similarities. She gives me major finalist vibes. Like I can see her in top four for sure. Especially based on the airtime. You know, she was, you saw her throughout the premiere, but she wasn't right at the forefront the way some others are. I feel like she could be final two even, but we'll see. Yeah, she has that like understated like yes understated quality of a future front runner and this is when we we also see his conversation with abigail about her and her sister um who have uh this bond she has an older sister who was also deaf at birth and who like sort of paved the way for her and they have a very close relationship and then matt leans over gives her a kiss and then he brings her the first impression rose I loved it, and I loved how giddy Abigail was as a result. She's very adorable. She seems so normal, and you could see her kind of aware of how, like, she she was letting it all get to her, but she couldn't really help herself, and she was fully aware that it was all getting to her. It was very cute. She's sweet to watch. Yeah, they seem to have, like, a really 
genuine moment and I just loved it and and I also loved that the episode was almost over thank goodness but I do feel like for me Brie and Abigail were kind of the standouts of the premiere yeah I also thought that it seemed like he had a couple other strong early connections um Rachel? Or at least felt by the other person, Rachel. Serena and maybe Serena and P. Sarah. And Serena. Yeah, and Sarah. So there are sort of a handful. Yeah. We're sort of starting to see him that he is connecting on a deeper level with a few of these women. But it's time for the rose ceremony, thankfully, but not thankfully for all of the many women who clearly got like not a lick of time with Matt. And they are not not confident, except for Victoria. Victoria is very confident. Um, they, I think that they're they're making the numbers too high. Like it's overwhelming to watch. It's overwhelming for Matt. Lots of the people don't get time. It's just like, you know, I think they've got to rejigger this. Thirty-one women. Thirty-two. Thirty-two. It's too oh, many. Thirty-two women. I know. <laughs> it's too many. It used to be twenty-five. Yeah, right? and that felt like plenty. Like more than enough. To me, if you can't find the woman that you want to marry out of 25 randomly selected <laughs> 24 to 27 it. year olds, you deserve to be alone. Sorry. Um, so the roses go to Brie, Rachel, Chelsea, Sarah, MJ, Serena P, Kayla, Kristen, Kit, Maggie, Piper, Mari, Ileana, Jasenia, Kylie, Mary Lynn, Serena C. Lauren, Sydney, Alana. He pronounces it Alana. I don't know which is right, but I do know that Anna, who is standing right in front of Alana, thinks that he is saying Anna, creating a, a just a painful moment. Katie, Anna, thank God. And <laughs> Victoria gets the final rose. And she says, thank you, Shocking my king. everyone. I was dying up there. Oh, yeah, shut like I, I didn't realize Matt had such a strong connection with her, but I guess he does. <laughs> so it's Alicia... such a coincidence that her name would be called last. <laughs> it's alphabetical, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's just it's yeah. Um, but going home are Alicia, Amber, Imani, Carolyn, Kimberly, Corinne, Cassandra, and Sana. And yeah, so I think a few of those women definitely didn't get time. I know Carolyn and Alicia and Amber and all I think did Imani. Not did not um yeah. maybe maybe more of them it also appears um, to be 9 a.m outside like the birds are chirping the sun is fully risen and yeah. they are all weeping as would i if someone forced me to pull an all-nighter and i didn't even get and to, then like, rejected you yeah it's terrible it's torturous um and matt james is like we have to find out who miss james is i think i see her in the room you guys, this is hilarious. We're making faces. We're all just that. I hate that line. I hate that line. They they always do it, and I hate it. But well, listen, in fairness, he does see Miss James in the room because Piper is still here, <laughs> and I think you know it's like where's Waldo? He's like lost track He's of like, her. Miss James, I know where's I'll find it? her. I think I see her somewhere. Yeah, I will imagine that is the context of that comment and I prefer it that way and then we go right into like a full five minutes of previews which just seem chaotic to say the least there's a lot lot of crying a lot of abs 
a lo- lot of people being really mean to each other. And I don't like when the women are mean to each yeah. other. A lot of people being like, love isn't about color. It's about the person. Ugh. Um, Which we'll see how those conversations play out. Um, Yeah. And Heather shows up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that will go well. They haven't done one of those, like, (laughs) random woman comes back from previous season. Like, I just have a feeling, given it it seems like she's not received that well. And I uh, sort of think that that's going to be a little bit more of a gimmick than anything else. But we will see. Yeah, usually when I see previews, I'm like, oh, well, at least that'll be entertaining. And when I saw the previews for this one, I was like, it's just same old, same old. We need a break. We need a break. We want we need time to miss the show. Yes. Yes. I I, I don't miss it. (laughs) (laughs) The Bachelor is like I I don't watch um, certain other reality shows that might fit into this. Like I know Big Brother has a lot of content, but like it really feels like they're just constantly testing the limits of how much time and energy the audience is willing to commit to this show. And I've I've passed my limit, um, <laughs> but we have to soldier we soldier on. on. We soldier on like the professionals that we are. And I think that this is where we have to end. And I am just so grateful, Charlene, that you've been game enough to to muddle through this with us. And I look forward to continuing to talk about this season once you know we can actually tell some of these people apart and know a little bit more about them because it always gets more pleasant. It's uh, so true. <laughs> episode one's happens. always, episode one is always a major bitch to recap because you, you have to like refer back to who's who, how old they are, <laughs> what they did, what their limo exit was, and what their conversation yeah. was shown or not. It's just, and you're like, I don't really care about any of it, but it all feels no. vaguely important. No. Yeah, but here yeah, we yeah. are. We've made it through and there are sunnier days ahead. Yes. <laughs> Let's hope. Signed three grumpy recappers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Charlene. Thanks for great. having me, guys. Happy 2021. <laughs> and now it's time for Feminism Fails, which we did not have many because this is a night one episode full of just like endless limo exits. Yeah, very chaotic, Um, but there were a couple moments that, in the way of Bachelor tropes, just made us cringe. Uh, First, repeated references to women taking Matt's surname, or in Piper's case, I guess she kind of gets to skirt the issue, um, which we love that her father wants her to keep her name, but the emphasis on women taking his name throughout the episode is a perennial least favorite of ours. Just keep your name, ladies. You know, it's possible. Uh, So we're going to give that a three. And then we also felt like a little uncomfy when Kylie came out and was like, Matt, I just need a man to dress me like I'm a little doll. Again, we get it. It was a gimmick. She was trying to get his attention, but just felt a little off. We're going to give that one a three as well. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Charlene Joint. Make sure to check out her pod, Dear Shandy. And our producers, Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, and Becca DeGregorio. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. 
And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap episode two of Matt James's season of The Bachelor. I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipt. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipt, delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipt.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.